Hello, everybody, and welcome to Scottish Watches Live Lux Edition, the podcast ripped directly from our weekly YouTube live streams. Please enjoy the show and please forgive any audio glitches as this recording was ripped directly from the live Zoom stream. Now it's on with the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Scottish Watches live video cast. Hopefully the technology has not let us down and we are now actually broadcasting to you all, but I guess we'll find out because our good helper Gigi is potentially in our live chat actually figuring out if any of this is working. So this is our weekly review of everything that's going on in the world of watches. We have some special guests this week. Uh, YouTube has now arranged you into an order on my screen, so we will start with the intros from the top left and work our way down to our special guests. So let's hear from top left, which on my screen is Sean. How are you? Hi, guys. What are you wearing? Uh, Sean, I'm from DC area, and today I'm wearing my Explorer. Very good, very good. What's the age of that? Is that a newer one or an older one? It's a newer one. It's from 2008. We're cool. One one four two seven zero. Good, good. And then next on my screen is Ralph. All right. So it's Ralph, Coolpep underscore watches. And I'm wearing in Dubai. And I'm wearing today, uh, oops, a Bremont. Oh, very nice. Oops, there, a Bremont MB3 in bronze with right, so a Hodinky strap. See that? There's a yeah. mm. Good stuff. So that's <laughs> that's not one you had to jump out of an airplane for to get. No, that's that's the one that you get with a special engraving when you do that. But this is the normal one, yeah. Good stuff, good stuff. I think next on my list then is then Derek. How are we doing? Derek still is muted. Derek is still muted for some reason. Unmuted. Ah, there we go, there we go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I had my finger was hovering over the boot button. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Derek in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I'm wearing the Anardane Model 1. Today, oh, very nice. I thought I'd put on something Scottish for the occasion. Good. That te- technically makes you Scottish, seeing as there's so many Americans. Good stuff. And then next up, we have Arthur. I'm Arthur. I'm Tick Tick Room with some underscores sprinkled in there on Instagram. Uh, I'm also from the DC area, like Sean. Uh, and today I'm wearing my IWC Top Gun chronograph. And then who are we missing? Who have we not done? Let's do Philo. How are you doing? Hi guys, uh, Walrus Watch here. I'm wearing the Tudor North flag. Uh, I just got the bracelet, I think, two days ago and it really changes the whole watch up. Yeah, you saw some photos of that in, in the chat. It looks really cool on that bracelet. Then our man who towers over every door he sits in front of. Uh, Zach, how's it going? How's it going, guys? I'm Zach. I'm from New York. Um, you can find me on uh, Instagram at Watchtower, where the A is a four and the E is a three. And I'm wearing my SBWA001, the first ever spring drive watch released by Seiko. Oh, very cool, very cool. And then our special guest this week, we have, <laughs> we'll, we'll use their Instagram names to introduce them and they can use their real names to say hi, but we have Spanish Rob and Watches with a Woman. Say hello, guys. Hello. Hey, guys. How's it going? Going very well, going very well. So where are you guys speaking to us from today? We're from New York City. We're in Manhattan right now. Good, good. And uh, what are you wearing? And what are your real names? So obviously, we're assuming Spanish Rob, you're called Rob and not Spanish. I mean, depends on who's calling me. (laughs) (laughs) And we always have an honorary Scottish woman because she's ginger. Does that count? Awesome. Okay. Absolutely. 
I'm Sierra, watches with a woman on Instagram and YouTube. And then do we go to the wrist things? Because Spanish Rob, I just call him Rob, he has rubbed off on me with the double wristing on occasion so I can get twice the wrist shots. I'm very proud. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have the Plo Pro, the steel re-edition on my main wrist. And then I have the NASA G-Shock, which I just got last weekend, which I've actually been wearing the most um, recently. It's a lot of fun. Pretty cool. Awesome. They uh, we got a call from a friend and he was just like, they're available again, really briefly, come to the boutique and pick it up. And we did, so. All right, so they're not, I thought they were limited edition watches, so they're not. They're limited production. They just seem to have a few extra more at the boutique. They found they, them. They're like, oh, good stuff. And so what are you double wrestling with, Rob? Um, I'm wearing my Galapagos, just because I always have to have a chronograph to put our chronograph on. Um, Thank you. I, mean, I have a bunch of watches here, but I was like, I gotta wear this. And then I'm wearing something in Orthodox. It's a, a Tornado Gotham. You can see it. I love uh, kind of weird watches you never see anyone wear. Um, I used to work for Torno eons ago in the beginning of my watch career about 15 years back. And I used to sell these like crazy and understand the value and, and the quality. The quality is like next level stuff. It's like the equivalent of like an IBC Portuguese uh, for a fraction of the price then and even a tinier fraction now. So I've been uh, sort of hoarding uh, Gotham's whenever I find good ones and good deals. I, uh, I get them because they're just kind of amazing. But it's a secret, so don't tell anybody. Okay, well, nobody's watching this or listening to this, so you don't need to worry about it. Yeah. So we're going to review some news from this week. And first off, we're going to start with this little number from uh, Watch Pro. And of particular interest to me is how all of you in different countries in the world are seeing watch sales impacted. Because presumably you're, you're going and visiting your AD pals, and, uh, you know, we all know people who, who work for the brands, who work <clears> for, for resellers and retailers as to how they're finding. But Richemont's reporting that sales are way down. The thing I didn't understand about this article, and perhaps someone out there can explain it to me, is Richemont are reporting that sales have dropped 40%, but also that their watchmakers are down. So they must... They have some sort of watch, something they consider a watchmaking division that's not sales. Can somebody fill me in on that point? Anybody know the answer? Nobody knows the answer as to why they're reporting on two <laughs> yeah, things. Yeah, of course they have. They have also the jewelry part of their business. Which Yeah, I, I, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of took it to mean watchmakers to mean their whole their watch businesses mm. as a whole. Right. Okay. Mm. But it's yeah, certainly so a I can't confirm that. It's certainly a big hit. Forty-seven yeah, percent. Uh, looking at the article real quick, yeah, they're, they're referring to uh, jewelry versus watches. Richemont as a whole, they sell other things. Um, yeah. But the watchmaking department, yeah. um, so it's mostly watch. It's, it's the watch segment. Yeah. But the fact that their watches are down 56% when it comes to brand new sales makes complete sense mm -hmm. because of the pandemic and their boutiques not being open. Yeah. Uh, relying on minimal online sales. So, I mean, I yeah. get it. But, I mean, that's kind of why they bought um, Watchfinder. So it makes sense you know, sell the used ones or sell the new pieces that people aren't buying and sell it through WatchFinder. Because um, the secondary market is strong. Um, I have my finger on the pulse with a lot of these companies that I, I consult with and I work with, and the secondary market has been very, very strong. Um, and it's kind of a surprise. I remember, I think it was maybe April, March, people were just like, um, assuming nobody was buying anything. We were in a pandemic, it's a crisis. 
And when I talked to some companies, they were telling me, no, we're doing really, really well. And we didn't expect it. It was a surprise. Um, we're selling hand over fist. And it made sense because people were at home. And even though there's a lot of people who lost jobs and you know, there's a lot of money that was lost, there's still a lot of people who do have a lot of money. And basically what happened was now that people couldn't spend money on traveling and dinners and, and uh, events and stuff, they had expendable income at home, they were bored, and they did a lot of shopping. So online sales took a, a boomed quite uh quite a big like it took, just jumped quite a bit um and that's kind of why like yeah. places i think did really well from what they told me i mean who else is currently living in a house that has a cardboard mountain because i am i don't know what it's like in the states yeah. where in terms of getting rid of your waste but I, I i live in a farm and we have probably the equivalent of a full stable's worth of cardboard that we've gathered over three months <laughs> that we simply can't get rid of uh so that's how you know you live on a farm you measure in stables right <laughs> it's, yes we measure one stable length uh so how is everybody else? i mean a few of you guys are new york based what's it like in in the middle east and, and the far east at the moment in terms of folk getting back to normality or you know because one of the arguments that i had yesterday with an ad was it's all very well people now opening, but actually it's going to cause more of them problems because when they're open, they really can't make money with the amount of footfall. Mm -hmm. At least when they were closed, there was government support and all the rest of it. Now they're on their own and the trade has disappeared. Some folk, uh, Ricky was in Edinburgh yesterday and 70% of the watch sales in Edinburgh are tourist-based and of that, 50% of it's Asian because there's a number of English schools yeah. where Chinese, Japanese uh, and Middle Eastern folk come over and learn English uh, in Edinburgh during the summer and it's absolutely dead. So what's the experience like in the Middle East and the Far East at the moment, you guys? I no, think over we in Singapore, uh, when I was talking to the to my AD the other day, uh, he said, because we just we just reopened sort of at the end of June and he said in that, in that month or so where after reopening, it was like the highest sales, highest number of sales they've had, even compared to this same period last year. And I think he said it, it's sort of made up for the last two months or so. So, so I think people, at least over here, were, were really um, trying to get out and like buy stuff. Uh, they really wanted to, to you know, use up all the cash that they have saved on all the canceled trips and stuff. So, yeah. And what about in the Middle East? There's just so much money well, swelling around, Ralph. We know you guys. You're all just burning $10 notes every night. Sure, sure. We, we light our, our cigarettes with $100 bills. That's, that's what we do. But no, it's it's actually, it's it's. Uh, I get calls. I, I just was recently in a Longines boutique and just looked at the sector dial watch. And now I got calls every second day. So when are, we, when are you coming back, sir? Are you visiting us again? We have another few cool watches for you that are kept aside. So um, it, it's business is bad. We have, we have a lot of tourists here in Dubai. We, um, we, we don't have them at the moment. We are reopening. International tourists are coming from a few select countries. Not many flights coming in. So we rely heavily on, on, on tourism to actually f sell, sell a lot of watches. We are a completely watch crazy nation here but that doesn't mean that this is this is really sustainable only only internally so mm -hmm. yeah there is there's is, there's is certainly a drought in the market however the used market did very well 
we've seen that with a couple of our bigger yeah. retailers or pre-owned sellers here. One of them is Watchbox, who has also an office here. Um, they are doing quite well. So they are selling um, quite well and they're also buying a lot, but the purchasing prices are down a lot. Mm -hmm. So if you have something to offer, they will offer you the really ridiculous prices at the moment. So, um, which is obviously the market price at the moment because a lot of people want to sell. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. I mean, I mean, we are seeing this in uh, in the UK. This is from WatchPro again, uh, the bump that the British watch sales uh, have got. But, you know, I think a lot of that's probably just stuff come, that's managed to come into stock yeah. in the three months that folk have been hiding. And they're going in, they're picking up and reporting it as a sale. So we'll, we'll see but what wasn't happens. It, wasn't it also that good. Watches of Switzerland had... Um, actually re received orders and said you can get them the moment when they're when the shops reopen yeah so this is now yeah. all of the accumulated sales mm. that they have done on the phone and all of the stuff yeah. before and now it's going through the door and it's recorded as a sale so to, to rob's point though um you know any dealer that carries rolex effectively once they opened up all of the appointments just flooded in for all the, the models that people were waiting for i think it's more the boutiques that carry you know the brands that quite frankly people aren't setting up appointments to come in and see the brands where they sort of rely on someone just sort of walking in and and just having a spontaneous sort of spur of the moment purchase um which unfortunately is the majority of watch brands uh, <laughs> yeah yeah so let's move on from there so who uh, bought one of these who fell for it because I have to confess, I bought one of these. Uh, <laughs> nice. There we go. Hodinki ran, Hodinki ran a you know, big special announcement coming on well, July the 14th. And I think everybody was thinking it was going to be slightly more special than a new limited edition Swatch. But there we go. <laughs> so Only who, who, editions. Cause sorry? I mean, I don't think they're limited editions. I haven't seen anything about it being limited or no. anything. They're just like, yeah. it's like a summer watch or summer edition watch. Mm -hmm. I bought one. I'm still waiting for it to arrive, but like, I thought it was cool. It was and like and are you, are you going to wear it? Yeah, I have the original System 51 white, which I love wearing around the house because it's just, it's the most comfortable strap I've ever had. And it's just right. like a fun, different thing to have just knock around the house. So, cool. Yeah. I uh, I did buy one of the the flick flacks for my my three year old nephew, so I might I might have to wear oh. it for a day before I, before I send it off to him. So this is the <laughs> this is the smaller one, so you're gonna have to break it in, is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, uh, I mean they're nice. I mean they are they are what they are. One hundred and seventy dollars did seem a little on the steep side. Like yeah, twenty dollars more than the normal. Is that, is that, is that what they are normally? Ones, yeah. All right. Okay. They're normally one fifty. So as far as the tax goes, I didn't think it was too bad. Okay. I have one. The only irony one. is, is that uh, you can build up a collection of these, and then you know, twenty, thirty years from now, all of them will basically break, because you can't uh, repair these watches. So uh, I'm curious to see for the people who build up, you know buying each edition they might just have a bunch of dormant watches down the line it's <laughs> possible yeah so rob have you got a big collection of these hiding somewhere or sierra uh i have the first one uh that came out which looks like this but just black and white um 
I, I love it. But I do have one of the original 60 ones, like in red. And I think I had a blue one. I think it was 2013 or something like that. Um, and the red one's definitely dead. It doesn't work. Mm. I don't even know what blue it is. I will admit that I do not. But Swatch was the original brand that got 10-year-old me into watches. So maybe down the line. So, the heartstrings. so without, you know, wishing to ask a lady her age, which one of the pair of you has been into watches the longest? <laughs> um, when I get him, see, he does have a few years on me. Um, but yeah, into it for a while. Yeah, I've been into it. So I was around ten when I started getting into it. My dad's into it, and I'm basically a mini version of him. So like cars, watches, motorcycles, I would just like follow his lead. And um, so I guess it's been what fourteen-ish years now. Um, close. close to 14 years yeah and like after high school though that's when it like I took a deep dive <laughs> it's, and so what is your particular poison in terms of collection uh, you just buy stuff you like or do you have a plan in mind as to what you're collecting or you know so I like anything that's really fun and unique like my first watch which actually happens to be sitting on the table here and Rob's new little robot MBNF toy um was the yes. because it's like it's a square dial it's really fun has cool racing history to it and then like the pull prof was my next watch because you can't get any funkier than that in my opinion um so as two as two watch collections go that's not a bad start to be fair <laughs> That's, 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 that's starting pretty high. <laughs> I, I was very happy. The, um, it took me over a year to decide on my first watch, the Monaco. I was just looking at everything, men's watches, women's watches, and the Monaco was the first one where I tried on the, the women's version that there was a black dial, smaller square, and I was like, if only they had a women's version of the blue one. And then I was like, oh, I mean, I guess I could just get men's watch. And so that was where I, like, it's like, oh, there's no turning back. I'll just go that route. So Arthur's show this week, they were actually discussing uh, square watches and the whys and wherefores of why. I don't think he came to any conclusion. Yeah. But the whys I mean, and wherefores of, of women being particularly interested in square watches. Right. Yeah. We had uh, my wife. She watches the world, Stephanie, and, and Dan's wife, Miss Freya Tamar, on our little live this weekend. And that was a thing we noticed. And some of that we kind of attributed to maybe the Cartier tank, you know, as a Just ladies watch icon started it. But because um, my wife first got a tank and then got a Nomos Tetra and then got a Santos. But I think she's got about as many square watches as round watches. So how do you feel about that, Sierra? Are you, are you, I, I think, see those two, you're drawn to interesting shapes, right? Yeah, I think because, um, like as a woman, fashion is a really big thing and you can pull off more interesting things and a square watch is more unique. It's more like of a interesting art kind of fashion piece as well as a watch. Yeah, makes yeah. more of a statement than you exactly. know, around, everybody's seen a round watch a million times. You kind of just, if you're not a watch person, you're like, okay, cool, they're wearing a watch, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Well, talking about being drawn to interesting shapes, Rob, what is it that you've actually uh, taken delivery of? Uh, besides, besides this, um, 
you know, what am I taking delivery of? of ah, your your, M, your MBNF, your your robot. Was that not open today? I thought I saw a, I thought I saw an unboxing or something similar on Instagram. No, this is this is this is like oh wow, I got something for MBNF. It's this uh, this little toy here. <laughs> <laughs> And what it's just a very fancy watch holder is that the idea does it do anything it's not got a remote control or anything with it well it might uh cook a dinner in the middle of the night but I'm, <laughs> okay that's promise but i'm not holding <laughs> good stuff good stuff it moves it can give like the middle finger and stuff you know stuff like that all right okay so all tastefully done obviously yeah uh, <laughs> yeah Good stuff, good stuff. So the other thing that Houdinki had out this week in cooperation with uh, Zodiac was indeed this. Uh, from what I could tell, it sold out in five minutes or became unavailable within five minutes of launching. Uh, there's a bit of a Scottish story about this watch, which we'll speak about on the podcast on Monday, I suspect. So I'm calling this the Zodiac 1690. Uh which anybody with the Scottish or Irish will understand why I'm not going to explain it now. But I think this is quite. I think this is quite cool. Uh, what was everybody else's thoughts? Anybody else tempted? I was a little bit for a fun summer watch. I like these these Zodiac GMTs, and I I'd call it the dream sickle. You know that orange cream popsicle look. Yeah, it's pretty mm -hmm. fun. I thought you were calling it the 1690 because that's the price, basically. No, no. So <laughs> it's 1695, so they were £5 out, but uh, $5 out. No, that's uh, what, what, what brand was it we reviewed? And we had to tell what we told them. The rep phoned us to find out it was not Maurice. Uh, Maurice Lacroix. One of their watches uh, is sold for 1690 and uh, we made a joke on the podcast about, well, you'll never sell that in Scotland, or at least in one part of Scotland. And we <laughs> then got a phone call from a senior brand representative asking, why? What's the problem? So <laughs> we did explain that 1690 is the date of a famous battle from which uh, one side of Glasgow football takes its traditions from versus the other side of Glasgow football. And football and religion very much mix in Scotland. So 1690, uh, that's the that's the line of attack. But you can all go and Google it. Battle of the Boyne. So there we have it. So moving on from that, we had some news just breaking. Uh, I think, Zach, you're the man for this one. Swiss Competition Authority clears ETA to freely supply movements again this year. I suspect Sophie will have more to say about this when she's back yeah. on next week. But uh, uh, give us give us the SP on this, Zach. Yeah, I mean, in my sort of surface level understanding of this, you know, it looks like they're sort of instituted an honor system where ETA can now sell their movements freely. They just can't undercut the competition or take advantage of the fact that they're just such a well-established movement manufacturer. Um, will it mean more Mings are going to be in the pipeline because uh, he'll have more access to, you know, 701 movements? Possibly. Um, but we'll see down the line. Rob shaking his head no. <laughs> so Rob, tell us what you think will happen here. Do you think there's an honor system in Swiss watchmaking? I was just saying no to the Ming thing. I was like, no, he's gonna it's still gonna be. It's got to be supply demand. It's got to be living quantities. If people are gonna still want this and be like, oh my god, Ming. So it's, gonna, it's not gonna. That's not gonna be a thing. But um, in terms of um, the movement, I, I see the story and I'm just like, oh, what the hell? Like um, uh, Hayek 
made such a big stink about this 10, 15 years ago about not wanting to give his movements of brands and make Correct. Such a about everybody making their own movements and where everyone was like, oh, yeah, everyone's going to have in-house movements. This is great. I was like, that's not a good thing because this is going to move uh, this. The inflation of prices of watches is going to skyrocket. And it did. You went from like two, three thousand dollar watches to six, eight thousand dollar watches almost overnight in a matter of like, well, not overnight, but like a matter of like two or three years. And that in kind of inflation in the watch industry as a consumer and someone who worked in retail and just worked in the industry at the time, I was just like, what the, um, I don't know. Where it um, but <laughs> I, that's kind of like a, a, a kick in the face because now I'm like, oh, so now that everyone had to adjust over the last decade, now they can go back and take the monopoly because they were the ones that yep. it was their idea to be like, we're, you know, we don't want to supply all the movements to everyone. So it's just yep. like a kick in the face because I mean, how can they let them do this? Is it going to be good? Maybe. I don't, I don't see it. I saw it, uh, what Hayek essentially wanted was everyone to stop being lazy and everyone, like the entire industry was like 95% just edit movements and everything. Uh, and I, I guess before he passed away, he was like, I don't want to see this. I want originality. I want creativity. And he did, he did do that. He got people to do that at the cost of the shoulders of the uh, consumer. But it happened. So, I mean... And then there were the, the the manufacturers who decided to make more economical things. You had Salidas, you had Citizen taking over a bunch of stuff. It was it was great. Um, I'm curious how this is going to influence things. Is it going to bring back a renaissance of watches being more affordable? I doubt it. I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, I think it's kind of like they shot themselves in the foot a little bit because now we've had this perception shift over time that like in-house movements are worth more or like matter more now so now like there's not going to be people are going to be like oh you're just using another 2824 in this movement in this watch like what's the point so i think this caused the perception shift in the industry too over this time where i don't know if it's we're really going to see as many people admit as many of the big brands using eta movements it's probably going to go more to the micro brands and at that point it's going to just be like salita is basically the same thing so it's kind of come down to the brand's preference of salita eta stp supplying more moves to other people now so it's kind of like i don't really see a big change happening here yeah and all the yeah. brands that have put money into developing in-house movements in the meantime aren't just going to bail out on that out you know right um and if that did cause them to raise their prices i wouldn't think they'd undercut that with an eta powered model but i yeah. don't know and see the the corporations that started right the kinesi where well, you have um, yeah. chanel and judo and also breitling with judo and this, this exchange of movements there i think that was that was going to continue and i think it will continue even now because now there are plenty of options uh what is it norcane i think they're using now some judo movements or kinesi movements in the future mm. so i think that's good there's there's more choice Eta definitely shot themselves in the foot with that so i think they as you said, Rob, they they wanted it. Then five years ago, they said, nah, we don't want it anymore. Please reverse everything. We want to supply everybody. And and then, yeah, now they have their wish, but I think it's too late. So what do you said. think it means for Salita? Well, that's what I was going to say. It's a little unfair to the people who did come in and had to save the industry and, and give the lower price point watches um, being their savior. And, and all these smaller manufacturers that came in um, are going to be disregarded and pushed away because even though it's been 10 years, it's ten, barely anything changes in 10 years in Switzerland. And Etta is still regarded as kind of like the high end because it's 
well produced or they produce them in mass yeah. it's a big powerhouse so swatch is going to come in the table you're an independent manufacturer you're a small guy you can you can now buy an etta for almost the same price you buy a salita because consumer is going to think the etta is better because not much has changed in 10 years now salita is going to suffer and that's not necessarily fair but that's what it's going to do. It's going to influence more of these these small manufacturers. Yeah. So us as a consumer, we have to make the decision and say, okay, well, Salita has been working for us for the last 10 years. We've all owned a lot of good watches that have a lot of stuff. It's going to come down to manufacturers like, let's say, Oris. Are they going to turn their backs on Salita? Who, and a lot of these brands who've been dedicated and been using them for so long, are they going to turn their backs on them? That's what we're going to see. And that's going to be really the choice, I think, of the manufacturers that are buying them. Are they going to turn their backs on them or not? You know? Right, and I think this 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 rule that um, was in there um, in the article that says that they're not allowed to undercut the competition, which means basically other companies can set the ETA prices, which is also a bit weird, right? If they raise their prices, that's fine. Not so much undercutting; it's more like predatory pricing. So it's they can't go and start selling things at a loss. They can sell for right. less than Salita in them, but as soon as they're consistently selling at a loss, they kind of gain their monopoly back that would be words I, yeah, you know, I th- I, yeah not so sure what, what it really means but if it means that then it's a different story of course but i think it's a it's interesting to see what's what's happening there so that's so, for sure who, who decides this sort of thing is this like the switch swiss watch police like what's going yeah. on here how, how to enforce it, it yeah it is exactly it. the Swiss watch police. That is exactly there is a, there is literally a Swiss watch police. So the competition it's such a big industry. It has its own, yeah. effectively, it has its own export agency. It has its own uh, agency for settling disputes between them all, all the rest of it. So, yeah, wow. I think you probably could call them the Swiss export police. Uh, it's, a, it's all a very weird thing. <laughs> so let's talk some actual watches. And this is one to please at least one person in this chat. I hadn't come across these this week. But uh, three new Grand Seiko GMTs, and you know what? They're in a wearable size. Even I think that the normal Grand Seiko GMTs are huge. So this is a 40.5 millimeter Grand Seiko. What does everybody think of these? Quite like the blue one. I but then, yeah. I suppose, I suppose blue sports watches is somewhat, somewhat in at the moment. Not that it was ever out. So anybody tempted? Definitely. I think what I would really love about these, uh, the, the ones that they have a 24-hour bezel, or two 24-hour bezels. So you can really set one um, to a different time zone, much easier than, than you can do otherwise. I like that. Yeah. I, I think they aren't, they aren't rotating bezels, though. So you can't really, I mean... Though you have two 24 hours, you can't really use like the two of them separately. If it doesn't it's rotate, we, we, though, what's, you what's just weird. destroyed my dream there. <laughs> <laughs> so you thought you thought you could rotate this bezel and this one separately, so yeah. that, so that you could record two time zones. Who do you know that's into? Well, why would you need that? Why? 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 <laughs> uh, look, my, my, my last project, I, I'm in Dubai. I have uh-huh. um, a, a project that I run between India and Singapore. So right, okay. it's mm. good to know. Good good to maybe, they'll, maybe they'll make a Ralph uh, special edition. Yeah, maybe a Ralph, edition. a Ralph edition. It would have to be, Ralph, show us your chair, because this is the Scottish Watches chair. Are you still in your Stormtrooper chair? Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, I think I one made in that kind of black and white plastic color scheme uh, <laughs> would do would do would do the gig. Yeah. So how much are these? Are these horribly expensive? I think um, US. No. I think sixty. Yeah, sixty-two hundred. There you go. I mean, so considering what Seiko Grand Seiko have been doing with their prices recently, that's actually. Yeah, that's Not right that. on. Yeah. That's right on par with like uh, yeah. seasons collection and a bunch of other recent spring drives. But that's for GMT too. Yeah, so. but the problem is they'll also release a Seiko with a spring drive with a GMT and try and charge five and a half thousand dollars for it any minute. Yeah, there. but well, it'll probably be like forty-seven millimeters or something. So. <laughs> <laughs> so who of our esteemed audience here actually owns a spring drive watch? One, two, three. Rob, you don't own a spring drive? Not yet. Not yet. It's on the list, but I, 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 uh, I'm waiting for something that doesn't exist yet. I'm waiting for the right one. I want something that's got the GS44 case and the right kind of dial, right kind of complication. It doesn't exist yet because the two houses don't necessarily work together. The ones that uh -huh. make certain types of dials and make the certain type of case. Um, the only crossover project they had was the U.S. limited edition with that light blue, like that light um, kind of like snowy. Here's the redial, yeah. I think they call it. Yeah, yeah that I I just couldn't put my finger on it. I just I wasn't crazy about it because it wasn't quite white. It wasn't quite blue. It was like right in the middle. And for me, I just I was just like, uh, if it was one way or the other, I would have been all about it. But uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm waiting. I mean, the Peacock is probably the closest thing. And I kind of I'm kicking myself for not getting the Peacock years ago when I had the chance to get it. Yeah, uh, no. Probably. This is probably this this GMT is probably like two months ago. I would have said it's the one I've been waiting for, but I got like the, the spring season in between, and I'm I'm totally happy with that. But you like spring, yeah. yeah the yeah. cherry blossom is amazing. Yeah, it's stop at the seasons. I really want the summer, that green mm. and gold accents, but the spring. Yeah. And it's a spring spring drive, so it's fun. Yeah, yeah. and also li living in DC, Sean can probably appreciate this. We're known for cherry blossoms in the spring, so I cannot wait for like March, April. It's going to be the <laughs> best Instagram shots. Yeah. <laughs> is is this the watch you were meeting, bro? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 close. I'm still kind of like, oh, should I have done it? I don't know. Yeah. It's a very uh, baby blue, isn't it? Yeah. It looks like a white walker. Like I kind of regret yeah. not buying. <laughs> A white walker, yeah, or a sky. Well, is it's not the sky flake, or is this the sky flake thing? No, right? no this is the Kirazuri, which is based on ah. a style of painting. There oh. is a blue snowflake that's in like a dressier yeah. face, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that one they, as well. They did two other versions of this in, I think, precious metals. And I think if you just took one of those dolls, which are a lot whiter, and put them on this, that would have been perfect one for me, but. Yeah, I, I, I've never really seen a nice combination of the 44GS with a white dial. You know, one of these interesting white dials uh, that they have done on other, other watches too. Exactly. We're basically twins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I get the Snowflake with the GS44 case, I would have bought that already. That, that's the one I would Oh, buy. yes. Or did you know the the high beat one with the, with the spiral, uh, the one they did for the... Yes. I, I think cool. two yeah. years ago, two or three years ago, yeah, if they did a white one of that in the, on the 44 GSKs, that would have been perfect as well. But it's like the Fibonacci thing there yeah. inside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That one, that one. Uh, what could cool, have been? Yeah. You were bringing the up the thickness of these GMTs, right? Um, on the chat earlier. 
that was one of the downsides is they still haven't, although yeah. they've brought down the diameter, they still haven't been able to thin them very much. Like the first comment was like, man, it's really thick or something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Good stuff. 15, something. Yeah. Sorry, so ahead. one quick thing I'll say about spring drive though, is I own a snowflake and then I own this watch, which was the first from 1999. And I don't even think this has been serviced ever. And they both run just as accurately at half a second a day at most. So, I mean, in my opinion, if anybody's looking for a watch where they want no maintenance whatsoever, Spring Drive is the way to go. I mean, it's amazing. Good stuff. Well, I suspect that while Spring Drive may be the way to go, this or one of the three of these might require slightly more attention to detail and maintenance <laughs> as the years go on. So... I have to say, I found it quite difficult to be excited about any of these releases from Patek. But then I'm probably just a complete Luddite. Rob, you're the self-proclaimed Patek expert, or at least you are for this afternoon. Tell, <laughs> us, tell us why these watches are important. Um, which one do you want to start with? We can start with this one, the 5270. Um, yep. This is closing out the collection. This is just closing out the color. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they, hopefully they'll make more, but um, they went uh, white gold, platinum, rose gold, and this is the yellow. So it's just rounding out the collection. It's usually yellow is the most affordable out of all of them, but because, you know, the years have passed and the price increase has probably gone up quite a bit. Um, it's the most classic. Um, and it's usually what Paddock does, they don't always do the same order. They change it up depending on the model, but many times they'll do the yellow last and they will be the least amount made. Um, so there's that. If people wanted to jump on a 5270 before there's continued, I mean, there's still right now, I think the platinum and the rose gold on the bracelet you can still buy, but the yellow, um, I'm assuming is going to be produced the least amount if, you know, if his, if history serves, uh, us correctly, they'll probably make the least amount. And now I'm not sure if people, for the unfamiliar, uh, this is their first in-house perpetual chronograph manually wound movement they made uh, to replace the 5970, which was still using a Lamani based movement. Um, and they finally made their in-house back in 2010, I believe, when they made the platinum one, 2010 or 2011 was the first one. Um, yeah, we can move on. I mean, unless anyone has any questions. I mean, I'll, grant, I'll, I'll grant you it's a very pretty watch. I'll grant you it's at least good looking, uh, which it should be at $168,000. It is uh, 41 millimeters by 12.4. It's a little larger than the previous model. Right. Yeah. The previous model was the right, the right size. The 5970 being the last movement that wasn't in-house. It's funny because with Paddock, that's the only one that can bend these rules. They're, the, the previous model didn't have an in-house movement, and that's still more coveted to collectors. Hmm. Um, hmm. In theory, this, I think, is going to be you know, 10, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, this collection is going to be very important because it was their first in-house movement. But we're too... Uh -huh. uh, we're too close to see that right now. You can get my discount. So if you have that kind of money, buy it. Buy it. You know, <laughs> a good price. I mean, I would. We'll have a whip round at the end of the show. So second up then is this Tourbillon Minute Repeater. This is just showing off, isn't it? Yeah. So there's a couple of uh, things that you can talk about. This one is the fact that um, this is actually the production model of the Singapore exhibition that they made. Ah, right. Yes. So it just this, you saw this last year just with some red accents. So this is now mm -hmm. the production model of it. Um, and just because of the advancements of technology, they've been able to do 
what they used to swear they would never do, which or that, that they wouldn't do, was put the turby on um, in the front. Um, and this is the second time they've done this now. Uh, but it's it's okay because, I mean, they have silicone, they have a lot of technology in it, so it's not... Before, their argument was, okay, we don't have it in the front because um, oil, the sun will kind of evaporate the oil in the turbine movement. So they were trying to be more conservative as they're a conservative brand, very like, you know, we have the turbine on the back on the 5101. Um, so this is kind of a big deal because this is actually innovation and it's kind of radical for Paddock, but they've been more radical in the last decade since Terry Stern, the fourth generation took over. Um, mm -hmm. They've been making these, these strides to be more radical uh, under CEO, it makes sense. So this is kind of, a, it's kind of a, a dialless watch for Paddock. Uh, it's so the dial is completely open. It's not a skeletonized watch, because um, you can't see through it, but it's it's a dialless watch, and then the sub dial is actually the only thing that's sapphire at the very at the six o'clock. But also, what's really important about this is the fact that they put the mid repeater in the front as opposed to the back, and that's kind of like the engineering feat of this. The fact that it's got you could see the hammers from the front, and that's really cool. It's very contemporary. It's very futuristic for um, for Paddock. So it's going to rub people the right way, rub people the wrong way. A lot of class people will be like, "What the hell is this? I put your old turbine on." <laughs> can't see it because I'm old school money. I hide the wealth, stealth wealth. This is a little different. This is for the uh, the newer generation. Who says, "No, no, I want I want people to see this," <laughs> so um, and they can do it. And uh, is, is this the watch that in the Singapore show they had Singapore show written in the back of it? Probably, yeah. They they, they do that with everything. Yeah, they'll write. Yeah, they'll write. So, the and completely obscured the, the, the ability to actually see the movement. It is, it is nice. I, I question as to how legible it's going to be, but I don't suppose... Yeah. I mean, you can probably have your servant or man, man-slave yeah. wandering behind you, well, you're not supposed telling, to see. telling you the time off of his G-Shock for a million, two million dollars. Oh, no, that's sold for... What's this retailing? Well, it's funny. You don't even need to see it because it's going to be hard to even read, but you just... Just slide the the minerals. Slide the thing and, and listen. I have a, I have a, I have a good solution for the for the oil drying out when you put the you know the, the tourbillon in front. Um, do you know these little cocktail umbrellas that you put in? You know, you should just put that in there. <laughs> you just or, uh -huh. or just also very innovative, uh, a lid. You think uh, uh, a half hunter case for the front, like Panner I do? Yeah, exactly. Like the old pocket watches, right? So you don't, you can't read the time in any case. So and that's why you, you have a minute, like, minute, minute repeater, right? You just press yeah. the button, ding, ding, ding. Dong, just dong, do dong. what Moors are doing, take the hands off altogether. Problem solved. Make it like the glasses that get dark when you go outside. Oh, yes, exactly. that's Transitions cool. Lenses, yeah. That's it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, somewhere there is a micro brand listening to this going, oh, I wonder <laughs> if we can get some polarizing lenses from somewhere. So that was then followed up by this. Is this a blue sports watch? Yes or no? No. No, I mean, <laughs> I mean race it on next month, next time with that. They're gonna put, they're gonna, they're gonna make a blue version of everything and extend any line because people love black and blue. So this, when the black one came out in 2015, was um, probably we were talking about like the older, richer collectors, the people who were just like obsessed with Paddock who buy the high end stuff. This was kind of like a favorite piece that came out, and it was kind of uh, regarded and held it as 
probably the most important piece, the most important modern piece Paddock has made um, in the last decade or more, um, just because it's a full size split second chronograph and they gave the people they wanted. Before this, the only in-house, uh, it wasn't even really in-house, it's technically a Nibosh, um, but it, it's still the, the only one they had before this was like a 39-39, or not a 39-39, um, a 5959 split second chronograph, which was a 33 millimeter watch, which again is amazing that they could do that so small, but this was a full size watch that they finally made back in 2015. That was kind of a really big deal. It was the first time they actually did applied markers on an enamel dial because it's ex extremely hard to do. They pulled all the stops. This is a platinum case. And if you see the curvature, the concave bezels, the indents on the side of the case, all of that is extremely hard to do on a platinum watch. Um, and they did it. They pulled out all the stops of this watch and they made it until 15. The fact it's like a large only split second chronograph as opposed to um, the other watches that will have perpetual um, uh, modules or it'll just be a, it'll be a perpetual also. Um, so there was a very clean aesthetic and for them to do in black. Um, it was a really big deal. There was a it literally cost the, uh, the price of a Ferrari. Uh -huh. So I mean, I remember had a friend who was just like, yeah, I can either buy a Ferrari or buy this watch and they're buying this, um, the black yeah. one. And there's not that many of them. There are actually some uh, for sale, but not many of them um, available. The blue is just an extension of it. I mean, I, I see it and I'm like, all right, well, it's a modern, it's, a, it's slightly more futuristic. It's, just, uh, it's, it's fun. It's, it, it takes the seriousness away a little bit, but that's okay. Cause like they had that for the first run. It's extremely important because of the split second chronograph. The movement's probably one of my favorite movements from Paddock um, just because uh, of how complex it is. Mm. The split second chronograph, there's just something about it with all the curvature of the hammers and such. It's probably right. decorated. Um, right. And it's not like Longa obviously because they're not, they don't use blue screws. They're more conservative and you don't see the architecture, but there's a beauty in the fact that the movement's smaller and thinner, whereas, you know, everyone's like, oh, Longa, and I, I love Longa, <clears throat> don't get it wrong, but they are cakes, you know, they're, the architecture's beautiful, but they're a lot thicker, and this is very, very thin and fine, but uh, yeah, that's my take on it. Do you know why Patek always tends to, like, cap the column wheel? They put a little polished cap over it, and a lot of other brands don't do that. Is it just it's, an aesthetic choice for them? or it, It's um, an aesthetic choice, and I actually just, they just, I didn't read it completely, but I didn't realize it had a function, and it does. Really? It, uh, it does have a function. It's actually in his article somewhere. I, I skimmed it, and I didn't see exactly what it's for, because it, it, it has a certain purpose. Um, and originally, I just, I didn't even know that until I saw this, because... Yeah. Uh, I just assumed it was a cap because right. they're a very conservative brand. They don't like to be showy and flashy off. So like, they don't want to flash, be flashy in the sense where like people show that column mm. and they're like, Oh, look at this. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, that would very... be obscene, obscene, <laughs> naked, <laughs> naked column wheel. Oh, people what they want, <laughs> show them the column, but they were very much against that. And, and uh, supposedly that cap actually does serve a purpose that it's huh. Rick okay. there. I'm sure it says it in the article somewhere. Oh, um, I know. I know from a watchmaker that a lot of the time when Patek Black polishes parts, it has to do with reducing friction because mm -hmm. of having a sort of a smoother okay. surface. So they sometimes even black polish like the insides of like the pinions, um, things that we, we would never see with the naked eye. Right. Okay, cool. Uh, I'll check out. I, I wonder how in, many in, 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 in millennials will just try to hit the number six 
And wait, wait, wait for, wait for wait. the email to arrive. Well, I was going to say that it's been answered. The question has been asked and answered in the live chat by Derek, Doesn't who, is multi- work. Who, is, who is multitasking, it would seem. So Dan has asked in the live chat the most obvious question, which is, is this actually Patek's pastiche to a smartwatch? But mail <laughs> actually means enamel in French as Derek and anyone Why? that means anything. Yeah. Uh, but I do think it's quite fun. I, I, I would just really like to give this to the dial artist and get him to try and insert a little hyphen between the E and the M just to, just to really confuse people. There we go. And then they could do a minute, a minute repeater that reads your email in Morse code. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that would be an April I, Fool's joke, man. I'm curious, be, though. <laughs> I am curious, though, if Patek released this because the Roger Dubuis homage chronographs that had that sort of dual uh, sub-register layout have been like really rising up in popularity in the auction market. And I wonder if Patek sort of took note of that um, because it definitely seems like that style is is coming back. This is as opposed to the kind of Daytona-esque three. Yeah, the tri-compacts. Or, Tri-compact yeah. type thing. Cool. Uh, probably been de- was being developed, I think, in like 2012 or 2013. So it's been a while because it came out in 2015. Um, but that dual register thing is their bread and butter. The 5070 was like, was huge. So good stuff. Well, we're approaching the end, so it should be said. And there was just one other thing that caught my attention, which I just wanted to say this is very cool. Somebody buy me one which is this. I quite like these. It has, it has to be said. I quite like these. and I, I like these a lot. I tried on the blue Carte Santos and it was very nice, but that grey one in particular, I think, yeah, with the that's ELC nice. Diamond Carbon, I think that's that's quite spectacular. It almost so looks like so, jeans. Yeah. <laughs> If you close <laughs> one like eye, tilt your head slightly. <laughs> so was, let's yeah, go sorry. around the room. And as we say goodbye, what is everybody looking forward to in the next week? while? What's coming up? Let's start with uh, yourself and Sierra. Rob, what have you got on the go? What's happening? Um, so I mean, for my YouTube, I just came out with the unboxing of the NASA G-Shock. And I'm planning on, in the next week or two, finishing the video of the Moser MBNF um, collaboration that they did. Oh, right. Okay. May Dial. Did you, so get, did, you, did, you get, did you get both of them or just the one? Just that one. But Just that one. Cool. That's one of my favorite of their color variations anyway. It was gorgeous. So I'm excited for that. Uh, and is your YouTube channel just the same as your Instagram handle? It is indeed. Watches with a woman. So go and tune into that and make sure you like and subscribe. And what about yourself, Rob? What are you up to? Um, I got some projects in the works that it's you'll find out in the next <laughs> couple of weeks or months. Um, so uh, you'll see. But otherwise, I mean, I've just taken all the news, all the watch news as it comes. And I'm like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. cool. New Tutor, new Swatch, new Zodiac. Cool. Like, I still think it should be called the cream school, but I mean that's me. Sherbert, really. Yeah. Yeah. Sherbert yeah. 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 Sher- has certain connotations in this country that I don't know if it does elsewhere. Like Sherbert is like on the Sherbert. That's like like drinking. 
Like, oh, I didn't know he's, that. He's, he's, he's had one. He, he's had one too many sherberts. Means someone who's drunk. So I don't know that they, they they road tested that as a you know in different countries. But yeah, in Scotland, if you were to say someone had one too many sherberts, it would mean that they were drunk. So well, in Scotland, they're just gonna they're just gonna call it the 1690, right? That's what. Yeah, I mean. that's true. That is true. And the reality is, in Scotland, we have like like the myth uh, that I assume is myth that people who live in like Lapland uh, have like multiple variants to the word for snow. In Scotland, we have dozens and dozens of words for being drunk or alcohol. <laughs> so that just uh, gets you the, the difference between the cultures. So there we go. So what is everybody else looking forward to? Some highlights. Zach, what have you got coming up? Um, I recently ordered a um, Wolf Red Bar, the eight-piece box, um, because I find that the travel roll, as great as it is, it's a quite a nuisance to take watches in and out of it because it's just a log versus three separate pieces. Um, so I'm excited to not have to like do like acrobatics to pull my watches out of a case. <laughs> the, the definition of a first world problem. Yes. <laughs> <There we go. laughs> and Arthur, the first what have you, got coming, up? <laughs> Arthur, what you got coming up this Sunday on your show? Uh, Dan and I are doing our normal Instagram live this Sunday, noon, US East Coast, 5 p.m. for the UK folks and everybody else just do the math. Um, <laughs> this, this Sunday we're doing, uh, reinventing our collections, imagining a 10,000 pound budget uh, for three watches. And the trick is we can't repeat anything that we already have. This is to prevent Dan from picking Speedmasters and Navitimers all day long. <laughs> and to prevent me from going with the Black Bay 58 again and again and again. So. Well, re remember, because you're, are you playing by Hodinkee rules, which is that you need to pick some completely misunderstood, <laughs> misunderstandable, and like infinitesimally minute <laughs> set of rules that nobody gets, nobody can remember, and nobody follows, no? Yeah, it's it's pretty close. We'll, we'll lay about on Sunday. Join in and it'll be half an hour of rules and then we'll start the game. That's it, yeah. Uh, that's Sounds exactly like what fun. it's like. Yeah. yeah. So just checking as to what's on the website, we've got uh, Half Watch Tuesday from last week. We've got the final a blog to watch is still sitting uh, on there, episode four of Q&A. We have, who did Pruning Tudor's Prize Rose Boost? Was that you, Ralph? Who did no, that? Nope, nope, nope. No. No, Sean. who did that? That was is all about the naming conventions that Tudor are using and why it is now somewhat confusing. Gigi, who's been in the live chat, has his AliExpress article. Go and read it. It's very good, very funny, and actually quite scary in some respects. And the latest podcast with Ty Alexander. Uh, who did the Omega's Afraid of Success? That was me again. Uh, Sean, you have it. You're playing <laughs> nice a blinder this week, and there are some particularly good uh, memes in that. We'll, we'll leave you. We'll leave you with a meme. Let's find some good ones. We had. Uh, I think we'll 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 leave you with this. So on that note, everybody say cheerio. <laughs> <laughs> cheerio. Bye bye. bye. Thanks. Bye. Take care, guys. <laughs> Bye, robot. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's Scottish Watches Live Lux Edition. Catch the live stream on the Scottish Watches Live YouTube channel every Friday at 4 p.m. UK time. 
And please check out all of our other podcasts and produce videos available everywhere you search for Sky Swatches. Now it's goodbye from me, Sean at the Complicated Wrist on Instagram, and it's goodbye from all of them.